Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today, my conversation with R.J. Anderson of CBS Sports. We talk about the coronavirus stoppage, how it will affect Nats pitching, also a variety of other topics. A couple programming notes. One, we are starting two new series this week. Connor Jones and I will be doing them both. The first one is going to be a Nationals prospect preview. We're going to take the top 30 prospects for the Nationals according to MLB Pipeline. We're going to preview them in groups of five. So we did 30 through 26. That podcast got posted this morning. Part two of that should be out on Friday. The second series we're going to do, and we're going to alternate this one with the prospect preview, is going to be one where it's basically a uh, 2019 Nationals rewatchables. If If you've ever seen or listened to rather, the Rewatchables podcast from The Ringer. They also do some sports rewatchables. It's about, um, the original podcast is about movies. But we're basically just going to go through the games, talk about why they were important, the fun moments, what they meant, what the context was, hand out some fun awards as well, too, so we can kind of relive that 2019 Nationals run. We're going to count down from 10 to 1, and it's not necessarily the 10 games in the order that we think they were the best in. It's going to be chronological. So we're going to pick 10 inflection points throughout the season, most likely going to be five regular season and then five postseason, and we're going to roll from there. So Connor and I will do that series. The first one will be up tomorrow, which is Thursday, March 19th, uh, and we hope you guys enjoy that one. So make sure you keep it locked on here to the Locked On Nationals podcast. And one other note, we have this really nice deal from Postmates, uh, $100.00 of free delivery credit for your first seven days um, if you download Postmates and you use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. So you've used the code LOCKEDONNBA, you get $100 of free delivery in your first seven days. Hopefully that can help help some of you guys out right now. All right, here's my conversation with RJ Anderson of CBS Sports. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here with the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me today, it is RJ Anderson from CBS Sports. RJ covers the MLB for them over there. And RJ, last week, you know, we were all gearing up, all preparing our content for the season. Um, you know, I was I was actually looking at your recent articles, and it's so funny where it just kind of goes from, you know, you got three articles about roster moves and injuries. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a stream of coronavirus content. And that's kind of how it was for all of us here in the the baseball media. Tell me what your last week was like and kind of how things shook out for you and when you kind of got wind that um, the winds were changing and and things might be postponed and pushed back. Yeah, obviously, you know, the coronavirus is something that had been on the radar for more than a few weeks, frankly. It was just unclear whether MLB and other leagues would take it seriously enough to postpone and or delay the start or continuation of their season. So it's kind of a waiting game in that sense. But, you know, entering last week, it didn't seem to be on the radar for the league, at least not to the extent where they would actually, you know, take action. So, you know, once we got to Thursday, my anxiety went up as we got closer to those first pitches. But, you know, as you mentioned, um, we were just kind of in season preview mode, kind of expecting opening day to go down on the 26th, you know, a week plus from now. And, now, as we sit here, it's kind of unclear when opening day is going to be. So, yeah, you're right. It's been a, a real change of pace, a real change of tone and change of topic. And hopefully, you know, this change will help save as many lives as possible. Yeah, it was so odd because, you know, I, I work at SiriusXM as well, too. And 
you know, just to give you an idea, like uh, we were preparing for the Big 12 basketball tournament and we were talking about it. And, you know, it was odd because I was set to go into work on Thursday and that's right when the Big 12 tournament and all the other conference tournaments got called off. And I'm still watching the Nationals and the Yankees play a spring training game. And it was almost like baseball was kind of on their own little outdoor Florida bubble. You know, it's uh, these events aren't contained like arenas. And I was kind of curious. I was like, well, all these things are shutting down. And I was wondering, you know, is baseball going to be subject to this? And I, then I looked at, you know, the Nats actually had, ironically, their largest crowd of the spring in their game against the Yankees. And I, I just thought, saw it and thought to myself, oh, there's no way this flies. Uh, we're going to be backing up some. Yeah, I mean, we were in our slack room and I was on the clock at that point. We're sitting there doing the math on, you know, if you have five games and they all average six to 8,000 people and, you know, if there's just this percentage of them are, you know, carrying the symptoms or carrying the virus and spreading it to two or three other people, which I think is the average. Yeah, we were doing the math and just like, geez, Louise, why would they ever, you know, consider playing these games when they knew that cancellation of spring training was on the table? And I still don't know what the answer to that question is for the record, but they kind of got bailed out a little bit by Mother Nature because almost all of the Cactus League games were being canceled. Otherwise, you know, I really don't know how that would have played out. And I think they would have opened a lot of a lot more people to the risk of infection, which would have been really unnecessary and frankly irresponsible on their part. So now we're faced with a timeline. And look, you know, obviously this is going to be speculation, but I think it's important to talk about, you know, and it's okay for us to talk about what will the season look like when we come back. So I guess right now, what are you here? You know, what are the possible dates, right? Because I've seen a lot, and you would know better than me. What are the conversations people are having about what the Major League Baseball season could look like this season? Yeah, I think there are a lot of scenarios still out there. And again, a lot of it depends on what happens over the next couple of weeks. You know, this is not supposed to peak for, I think, another three weeks. Um, and at that point, you know, hopefully we have some more clarity on how social distancing and, you know, the lockdowns and whatnot have uh, hopefully, you know, curbed and flattened the curve and what. But, you know, I think the, the idea that they're going to be playing in early May is unrealistic. I think that in all likelihood, this might come after Memorial Day. And that's kind of like the best case scenario is maybe, you know, sometime in late May, early June. Otherwise, I think the most common scenarios thrown out there involve, you know, resuming around or right after the All-Star break. Maybe you even start your season with the All-Star game as a way of kind of reintroducing the product to fans and, you know, kind of giving everyone, uh, you know, an event to rally around to start the year. But, you know, once you get beyond that, it's a matter of how many games are they going to play and, you know, what what is that going to look like? Are they going to start in front of actual, you know, full crowds or are they going to right. play a lot of empty stadium games or whatnot? You know, unfortunately, I don't have many answers in that regard. I don't think anyone does at this point. It's just kind of a waiting game and, you know, you kind of hope and pray that everything goes well while also taking as many precautions as possible. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called With Things produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated With Things Body Plus oh, the overall. Tom's Guide rated With Things Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. With Things smart scales are known for their durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you have to use your phone and have it on you at all times. 
but with things Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users, and it even knows who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a With Things Body Plus right now at withthings.com for a very limited time. Go to withthings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. And a thought occurred to me, too, that maybe there's a chance, and I know it's, albeit very slight, that the Major League Baseball sees, you know, maybe fans do kind of uh, receive, I guess, the shortened season a bit better. Because in my opinion, I, I don't think you can push back the playoffs any further, right? I mean, there's no possible scenario where those, those baseball playoffs can be lasting any deeper into the fall. Number one, you're interfering with football season. And uh, we know Americans' affection for football. You're just not going to replace it. Two, um, I think there's a chance maybe you know a shortened season. Well, also, it's pretty cold as well, too. So the weather's an issue, right? That's the other issue. I, I think there is a small chance that maybe there could be some positive reception to a shortened season. And I mean it like this. There's no other sports happening right now. But if you thought about it and you said, well, look, I kind of like the fact that baseball is starting later. And if you think about it, it's got to compete, you know, in, that, in those early months, it's competing with March Madness, the Masters, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. I do think there's a small chance that we could see people say, maybe it's starting later in general, like now that we actually can visualize it and we're going to be able to see it. Maybe that could push some change because 162 games, in my opinion, is too many. I, I think, and also to the scheduling-wise, I think MLB maybe could see some positivity. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, I mean, I think you have valid points there. At the same time, I think that the group who would be most against shortening the season is the group who makes the most, exactly, you know, they make the most money from that 162-game schedule. So, you know, there's been talk about potentially expanding the postseason or whatnot, and maybe in exchange for that, the owners would accept a shortened season. And I don't know if there would be 150 games or what have you, but, you know, maybe that's the one arrangement where they can continue to maximize their their profits without uh, necessarily sacrificing, you know, the integrity of the season or whatnot. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was, yeah, that, that's definitely the one point. And we just saw the NFL expand their playoffs too, even though they actually extended the regular season. But yeah, no, I mean, I think more teams getting in the playoffs, that would be the one thing that could appeal. All right, let's get to some actual baseball. Um, the Washington Nationals the team that we cover here on this good podcast are about to make their title defense. Uh, t- when it starts, it's TBD. But what we do know is, and from everybody I've talked to, there's pretty much some consensus that the National League East is going to be the best division in baseball this season, or at least before the season, it looks to be the best division in baseball. You've got, in the back part, the Phillies and the Mets, who are pretty clearly trying to make strides to win and win now. You've got the Braves, who still in that mode, won the division last season, and you have the reigning defending World Series champion Washington Nationals. Is there any debate that the NL East is the best division? Uh, not really. I think you could perhaps throw the National League Central in there if you really want to be uh, argumentative about, you know, the quality or the the spread or what have you. But I think that, you know, on paper, the National League East is the best. And I think that those teams are of a higher quality than the National League Central, even if you can make the case that, you know, the National League Central is 
a four-team race without a clear favorite or whatnot. I don't know. I think it's fair to say, yeah, but National League East is the best. Uh, like you said, you know, all four of those teams have a chance to win this division. They all have their pros and their cons, and it's going to be interesting to see it play out if and when we get a chance to see it play out. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't even know if the Nationals are necessarily going to enter the season as the favorite within their division, which is not something you usually say about the defending World Series. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't be. And I think is the way the Braves have played – uh, you know, and, and the amount of talent they have and, and just, I guess, you know, when I watch them, you think that, that is the best team, right? When I, when I saw them during the regular season last year, you thought that is clearly the best team in the division. And um, Donaldson obviously losing, you know, will hurt them. But the Nats lost some too. I mean, they lost, you know, Anthony Rendon. Um, and I want to, you know, your thoughts on the Nationals, we'll, we'll begin with that. What do you think Ren- losing Anthony Rendon will look like? Because I think it's one of those things and it kind of matches up with his demeanor. You're not going to appreciate him until he's gone because he's kind of this quiet, just heartbeat of the team. And it's going to be really difficult for fans to appreciate that until they watch the Nationals. Yeah, him. I mean, it's a huge loss on the field. He's obviously, you know, one of the better third basemen in baseball, a guy who can kind of do it all. And, you know, it seemed like he was getting better, which is a concerning thing. And the Nationals, frankly, you know, they don't, you know, they didn't really go out there and replace him with a similarly talented individual. I know they, you know, made runs at Josh Donaldson and, talked about Chris Bryant or what have you, but, you know, they don't have the farm system to make that deal and they weren't willing to spend that money. So, you know, they're in a situation now where they're kind of looking at Carter Kaboom and some of these veteran options and hoping they can get a workable third base situation out of them. And, you know, that may come to pass, but it's unlikely that they're going to replace the production that they lost when Rendon signed with the Los Angeles Angels. And then uh, we'll go to the pitching and and this kind of brings us back to the, the coronavirus break that we're on right now. Do you think that after all the innings that the National starting pitching logged last season, that maybe some of this extra time could help them? I mean, I know obviously, you know, I made this analogy the other day when I was talking to Blake Finney of Federal Baseball. It's kind of like um, a rain delay right in a long-term sense. They've already started getting loose, and all of a sudden here comes this break. And, you know, you think about it like that. Yes, I think more time off could, could be helpful, but also, too, like Max Scherzer talked about pitching through pain the other day and how necessary it was and how that's just kind of how things go when you're starting the season again. It's like when you go to the gym for the first time in a long time. Um, do you think that – because I think the pitchers will by far be the most affected group by this, this layoff. Do you think there is some positive in terms of the break um, that they're going to get? Yeah, I think with the Nationals in particular, that was one of the big questions for me. You know, last season, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin combined for 93 starts. And – you know, as a thought experiment, one thing that I was one point that I had made previously is, you know, what happens if the season they only start 85 times or 80 times? Because, you know, every horse, you know, even starting pitchers who look like horses sometimes break down. And we just had this happen with Justin Verlander. You know, if the season were starting, he'd miss the first, I think, month or so because of groin surgery. So even, you know, the invincible looking starters sometimes miss time. And I don't really know the answer to that. The Nationals, unfortunately, don't have a lot of depth. And if Strasburg or Scherzer, God forbid, were to miss two months or what have you, that really changes the dynamic of that team, especially given what we talked about earlier with the perceived closeness of a National League East. So, you know, maybe limiting their workload and kind of pushing back their workload after what they did last season will prove more beneficial to the Nationals than any other team. But, you know, at the same time, who's to say, you know, maybe they have to ramp it back up after this false start and, you know, Maybe that causes some physical damage or some uh, physical issues that I'm not accounting for because, you know, frankly, I can't really think of a similar situation recently to look back on and kind of draw a precedent from. So I think it could be beneficial to the Nationals. 
specifically the Nationals, but I'm not 100% sure. It's going to be interesting to see, again, if and when we actually uh, crank things back up and get back to playing baseball. Um, and, and looking at the league you know, in a more broad perspective, what was the storyline, and still what is the storyline that you were most excited to see play out in the upcoming season? Most excited to see? Well, I wouldn't say most excited to see how the league took to the Astros, but I think that was the top storyline on everyone's mind, right? It's just, you know, uh, will they be booed mercilessly? You know, will they, will pitchers throw at them? You know, stuff like that. I guess uh, I was kind of really interested to see what that Dodgers team looked like because on paper they look like an absolute monsters. And I don't know if they were going to threaten 116 wins or what have you. That's probably a little overzealous, but they looked really, really good on paper. And it was kind of, I was kind of looking forward to seeing how high they could run that score, especially when they're playing a team like the Rockies or the Giants or, you know, some of these uh, lower level competitors. You know, I was kind of just interested to see what that looked like because I thought that looked like the best team clearly in the National League, but perhaps in all baseball on paper. So it's a little bit of a shame that we don't get to see that over 162 games, presumably. But, you know, that was that was probably the top one for me. And I guess also, you know, just to see if the Yankees would be able to avoid the injury bug like they did last season, because so far this spring they have not. And it would have been kind of interesting to see, you know, how they fared because now, you know, if we're coming back until potentially June, uh, a lot of their guys could be healed up and that could be a big boon for them. I think the Dodgers are really interesting because they, they've gotten so close and the Nationals are kind of the same way too. I mean, you, you look, you look back at these last, you know, since 2013, Lost in the NLCS, lost NLDS, lost NLDS, lost NLCS, um, lost World Series, lost World Series, lost NLDS. How many times can you get close and fail? And it feels like at some point they just they're gonna they're gonna run into one, right? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you know, it's kind of like playing the lottery, right? If you give yourself enough opportunities, eventually you will win. Well, I guess that's not really true of a lottery, is it? It's like <laughs> something where if you give yourself enough opportunities, right, it, yeah. you will eventually yeah. win. So maybe it's pop a shot or something. I don't know, but exactly. yeah, I mean, you know, that Dodgers team. You're right; they have repeatedly failed in the postseason. They've you know, reached uh, two World Series in the past, what, five years, and they've consistently played deep into October, and it always seems like, you know, something happens to them that unfortunately leaves us, you know, having these conversations about, you know, whether they'll ever reach the mountaintop, and I think that, you know, some of that is just, some of that is just luck, right? I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw of that Red Sox team, they ran into a buzzsaw of that Astros team, and clearly, you know, both of those teams have now been accused of, uh, improperly using technology. So you wonder how those series would have played out without that. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, additional circumstances there beyond just, you know, the Dodgers choking and what have you. And granted, you know, last postseason they had a pretty good opportunity and they made some questionable managerial decisions, um, you know, with Clayton Kershaw and whatnot. So it's not all bad luck on their part. Some of it is just bad decision making. But you know, the talent is there, and I have to believe that, you know, eventually they are going to win with this core. And if they don't, it's going to be one of those great, you know, what ifs um, when you look back on them. Because, I mean, goodness gracious, you know, based on the talent there, they should definitely finish this competitive cycle with at least one ring and maybe two or three, right? Exactly, yeah. And then the one last thing I want to ask you about, I think the one team that's actually going to benefit from this break the most is the Astros. Because, that story just seemed, we're all so consumed by, hey, when are we going to play baseball again? That we've all kind of forgotten about, not forgotten, but like it, it's on the back burner. Because 
you know, it's all anybody want. I mean, we had people making videos of, you know, the first videos I saw of MLB The Show 20 gameplay was people plunking Astros players. And it was like, you know, they won't be able to take this away from us. And I mean, it's like, you know, but that that's that is that has gone to the, the, the side. And I'm wondering if we're all going to be just so happy to see sports back that people are going to relent or it's going to be like, you know what? We're back. Time to start hating each other. Kind of like, you know, I give you a great, a great example. Uh, in Auburn, Alabama, you know, that massive rivalry, there was a tornado and it kind of brought the state together, at least for a short period of time. And as soon as football fired back up again, it was back at each other's throats. So, you know, do you think it's going to be one of those scenarios? Do you think the Astros might catch a break here because everybody will be just be so glad to see sports back? You know, I could see them catching a break because I think we're, you know, about to go through a, a pretty bad period. And, you know, ultimately, baseball, for as great as it is, is, you know, just a game. And I think that once we get back to it, we're going to be grateful to have that entertainment and, you know, that old friend back. And, you know, that's not to say that everyone will have forgiven them because certainly what they did, you know, tarnished the integrity of the game and should be taken seriously. But I do think that some of the emotions will be dulled and, um, you know, kind of compartmentalized as trivial versus what we have all just went through as, you know, not just the country, but also, you know, humankind so my guess is that yes they will benefit in that sense but who knows you know um ball players have long memories sometimes and it only takes a few of them to you know kind of reignite this so we'll see but um yeah my guess is that you know the senses are going to be a little dulled and the the perspective on them will be a little different once we do get back to playing ball um i want to ask you is in your mentions and i'm not sure how much you get is there Uh some is, is there any fan more annoying than astros fan right now well, here's I mean, the thing. I don't I don't tweet that much, thankfully, but I have had some very weird interactions with Astros fans dating back to, I mean, gosh, last, last October. I don't even remember what sparked it at this point, but I had an Astros fan tell me that Major League Baseball hates it when small market teams like the Astros and the Rays and the A's oh are winning. And I said, but the Astros have like the sixth biggest market in baseball. Their payroll is... You know, I don't even remember where they ranked in payroll at this point, but they were, you know, pretty high up there because obviously, and it's just like, yeah, the small market teams like Houston, it's just like, come on now. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what the fascination is with calling yourself a small market team when you're not, because I think there should be, you know, some, I don't know. I guess I just grew up, you know, during a time when Yankees fans were proud that their team spent a lot of money. And now we have fans who would prefer that their teams were not spending money. I don't know. It's a very weird situation to me when you start claiming stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. RJ, before we get out of here, um, recommendation from the people. It can be a show, a book, a uh, you know, an audio, a, a podcast, anything. Um, give the folks a recommendation for something they or, – or your writing even. Uh, give the folks a recommendation, something they can – some content they can consume during this down period. Yeah, well, I, I'll go with a book. I really enjoyed reading Super Forecasting uh, recently, and it's kind of a – you know, statistical heavy book. So if that's not your thing, I would tell you to skip it. But, um, you know, from my perspective, it was pretty, pretty interesting. It helps you think about how you think and also, you know, try to better improve your forecasting skills. You know, a lot of times in this industry, people make predictions or try to make predictions at least. And, you know, there's no sense of accountability and there's no, you know, going back and checking your work or trying to improve your processes or whatever. And, you know, I think this is a book that if you're interested in actually improving those areas would be something to pick up on. And, you know, it's a 
immensely readable given the topic. But yeah, uh, I think that's the that's the recommendation I would give. It's a pretty quick read, all things considered, too. Which again, given the topic, I mean, my goodness, I read you know thinking fast and slow, and that was a slog. This is like mm-hmm. the ever end of the spectrum. So. If you're into any of that, I would encourage you to pick up Super Forecasting. All right, RJ, where can they find you on social media? Oh, they shouldn't do that, but I'm at uh, <laughs> R underscore J underscore Anderson, and you can find all of our work at cbssports.com slash MLB. Uh, it's not just me. It's also Dane Barry, who I think is one of the best writers covering baseball, uh, Matt Snyder, and Mike Exiza, among others. So it's a good group, and... Hopefully we have something for everyone. All right, RJ, thank you so much for your time this morning. Of course. Thank you for having me.